Forward in the military is something that's always very important to me. People wanted to ask me how my, my child wants to be a catcher. What do I tell them? I said, catch every ball. And in life, isn't that the way it is? I spent two years in the service, and I was proud to be part of it. I wore that uniform with a pride and dignity, just like I wore the Dodger uniform with great character and love. The greatest name in the history of the Cleveland Indians franchise, Mr. Bob Feller. Welcome back to the American Valor Podcast, part of the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation. Our goal is to educate and share stories of valor, commitment, and service to others. Today, we are pleased to be joined by a member of the Board of Directors of the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation and Dr. Himesh Lakwani. Dr. Lakwani received a doctorate of medicine in 2007 before embarking on over a decade of service in healthcare and education. Since 2017, Himesh has served as campus president of the College of Healthcare Professions. Himesh Lakwani was named the 2019 Beacon of Light by the University of Houston's Immigration Law Center for his work with the immigration population in Houston, Texas. When we spoke with Himesh at the end of 2019, he spoke about his parents' emphasis on obtaining an education and how he is working to strengthen and serve his community in Houston, Texas. For Himesh, Valor's character, mental strength to be brave and face adversity, and standing up for oneself and for others. It is a pleasure to be with you on the American Valor Podcast, Dr. Loklani. Great to be here. Thank you. If you will, please just start off uh, telling us about yourself and your story. Yeah, great. Um, it, it's, a, it's a fairly uh, fairly interesting story. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I was born in, in uh, Mumbai, India in 1980. Uh, and then I would immigrate uh, to the United States three years later. My parents, they were they didn't have any type of formal education. So they, you know, they were forced to work two or three jobs um, each to attempt to make the ends meet for my younger brother and I. Uh, jobs such as night porters, daytime janitors, and serving jobs were, were some of the types of jobs that they would qualify for. Uh, they would raise my brother and I to understand that the only way out of poverty and to achieve the true American dream would be to focus on education. My father, he eventually obtained his GED and took a job at Eastern Kodak as a lab technician. He would actually hold that same job for 34 years and retired uh, early this year. So I'm proud to say that, that the work that my father did with that organization and that company, um, we, he was able to retire. That same job allowed him also to become a homeowner, put two kids through college. Um, so, you know, my dad's story, my dad's always been my, my hero, my role model. And so that was really an inspirational thing to, to be a part of. Um, so, but I would be the first in my family to graduate from high school. I was the first in my family to get into college with a scholarship. I was the first in my family to graduate from college. I was the first in my family to, to get into medical school. Uh, and then the first in my family to successfully graduate with a doctorate in medicine. Um, I've got a beautiful and supportive wife, Jahida. Um, she's my rock. She's, she's been there for me. Uh, we've been married uh, going on eight years. And then I've got three amazing children. I've got a, a rambunctious three-year-old, Amaya, who runs the show. Um, I've got a quiet um, but stubborn five-year-old, Amir. And then my oldest, Aishani, um, who is, is the beacon of shiny light. So, um, But they're the reasons why I do what I do. And so, you know, over the last few years, I was, I, I've done a lot of work uh, in education and healthcare advocacy. Uh, in 2015 and, 20, and 2016, I was actually... Uh, given an award and recognized by the U.S. Department of, of Interior's Bureau of Indian Affairs 
for my um, work with the Pueblo tribes across the state of New Mexico uh, and their access to education. And just this year, um, one of my proudest accomplishments, other than obviously being nominated to the board of directors here, um, was that I was recognized one out of 20 people um, as a beacon of light by the University of Houston's Immigration Law Center for my work with immigrant populations and helping them get access to education. Yeah, I was going to mention after you mentioned uh, your oldest daughter as a beacon of light, I was going to, you know, ask you about your award and congratulate her on that, uh, congratulate you on that. Um, what are some of the things that you did with the immigrant population in Houston that led you to receiving that award? Yeah, so uh, I do a lot of work. We go out to these uh, multi-service centers, and so basically it was, it was initially designed to um, help those that don't have uh, ready access to college or even, you know, um, knowledge of how the college process works. And so we would go to these service centers and kind of host these information sessions where we would talk about financial literacy. We would talk about the steps to getting into college and really navigating that process. I would say uh, at the college alone here, about 80% of our students um, that I that I come into contact with, both in the community and, and here at the college itself, as first-time college students, um, and also working with, with I work with a, an organization called um, Latinos Empresarios, which is uh, comprised of about 70,000 families that are first-time immigrants to the Houston market, um, and just giving them re resources and providing information on the steps to assimilating to the college life and to the culture and all that stuff. So um, it, it's it, that's a 30,000-foot overview and a snapshot. There's a lot that that, that, that does get involved in that. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's some of the stuff that I've done with the, immigration, the immigrant population here. Well, it sounds like uh, family is something that's really – close and important to you. Who have been some of the biggest influencers in your life? Yeah, so I would say that the parent, my parents are the most important. They're, my parents are my, um, are my beacons of light. Um, they've been role models since, since the beginning. The situations that they went through, uh, what we've endured, the life lessons that they wanted to teach us, and the morals that they've worked really hard to instill in my brother really helped shape my life in a profound way. Um, they've taught me that through hard work, commitment and also humility um, and the desire to want to be the best that I can be and, to, and to, to have this sort of never quit attitude has allowed me to get to some of the most challenging situations that I've, I've faced. What are some other things you're passionate about, including educational opportunities for veterans? Yeah, so I'm passionate about a lot of things, but I think if there's one thing and this year, um, you know, being at the end of the year and kind of reflecting on, on what has really transpired, uh, the most passionate thing that I really, really enjoy doing, uh, both from a college, you know, from a personal and professional standpoint, is working with those that come from disadvantaged backgrounds. I want to make sure that those that have not traditionally or typically had a voice or a chance to become something remarkable uh, have the access to do so and the means to do so. Sometimes it's really just a matter of providing information to somebody who doesn't know a path because mom and dad or grandma or grandpa, whoever, hasn't walked that path before. Um, I make sure that I'm committing my personal and professional time to becoming that advocate and bridge to provide the access to, to quality education and ultimately, you know, coming from the background and, and then moving into my role, providing a bridge to quality health care so that communities that we all live in uh, can become that much better. Please tell us more about your work at the College of Healthcare Professions and the efforts and work of the college. Yeah, definitely. So, so um, yeah, as you mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, um, my current role is the president of the Houston Northwest campus. Um, 
and I'm privileged to lead a very talented group of men and women who act as staff, faculty, sometimes even shoulders to lean on um, to the newest group of aspiring professionals. All of them have this really strong and innate desire to contribute to quality health care in the Houston, Texas market. I'm also involved in the immigrant and military communities and act as a gateway to kind of provide access to allied health education and the College of Healthcare Professions, and I just I say this because I'm, I'm really inspired by, by working here at this organization, is known as the pioneer institution that has a unique educational system that's built for the adult learner that has the complex lives and situations. So you mentioned some of the things that you had to overcome. Um, what are some things that people uh, in less privileged situations um, and as diverse backgrounds have to overcome when trying to gain that education and go to college and become the first person to graduate as usual? Yeah, sure. So I think, that, you know, when I'm out there and I'm talking to people um, that are first, you know, they were, they're going to be the first in their families um, to graduate high school and eventually enter into college, it's really having that, ha- helping them understand the process. You know, college can, t- I mean, college, depending on where you go, and I'm, a, I'm an advocate of education, so I believe that the right college needs to be the right fit. And sometimes if, if you know, if, if mom has worked, you know, two jobs in, in food service and dad has worked, uh, you know, you know, three jobs in construction and, and, and retail and all that stuff. It's hard for anybody that comes from that background to not understand what college is really like. I mean, for, for anybody that's ever gone to college, you understand that that process is daunting. It can be time consuming depending on the route that you choose to take, but it's really providing the awareness and providing answers. Sometimes we think um, a certain way because, you know, we've got some cultural ideologies and, and, and thoughts on this is how it's going to be, this is how it works, but it's really making sure that people understand um, that there is a pathway and you just need the encouragement, the push, the information, and sometimes you have to show the road to that pathway. One of those um, aspects of people who may be um, underrepresented or face um, special difficulties are the veterans community, and we know that you've been making some inroads and helping um, helping us as a foundation to make some inroads to the veterans community. Um, how are you involved in the veterans community? Yeah, so um, we actually have a lot of veteran students that currently attend uh, the College of Healthcare Professions. I think I pulled a report just yesterday. I was reporting to the Texas Veterans Commission uh, in Austin yesterday, and so I was able to pull some figures, but, you know, over the last three years, the college system alone has seen 650, about 650 veterans choose to go to college here and so i work with them on a on a, on a, on a almost you know daily weekly uh monthly basis but um we i basically we work closely with them to provide them resources and support as they embark on that that educational journey some of them have you know just now decided to go to college uh, i work in particular with with um, the largest group of private colleges and universities which is known uh, formerly as uh, Career Education Colleges Universities, or CECU, uh, and it has a division known as the Veterans for Career Education. It's basically essentially an advocacy campaign that was founded by veterans that supports their rights for veterans across the country to be able to choose the schools they want to get into, the programs that they want to study, and the ultimate career paths that they do it. Uh, it's currently being challenged right now in D.C., so you know I had a chance to talk with a lot of veterans about it, and we had some some pretty interesting uh, conversations yesterday, but we also recently held uh, and hosted a rally at, at the campus for the VC for the VCE, where we had veterans come out and speak about how these these pending legislations can have an impact on their ability to follow their dreams, their hopes, and, and goals. 
So we had Chad Lennon, who's also now on the board of directors um, for the Active Valor Foundation. And he went to law school after he got out of the military. Um, and I've had the opportunity to talk to him as I'm thinking about going to law school. And some of the things that he, the way he saw it after coming out of the military, his perspective, I thought was very unique, something that I didn't see as I'm coming straight from uh, my undergraduate to go to law school. What are some of those unique perspectives that you see out of veterans that, you know, maybe a traditional student who goes right from high school to undergrad doesn't have? Yeah, so I think that the veteran population is a unique population. I mean, one thing I will tell you is that the, the, the success of the veterans is, is very unique and in, in that they're not, I'm not saying that no other student is. I mean, we have really high success rates here at the college. Um, but a veteran student, in, in my opinion, what I've seen is very proactive in, in wanting to know everything that involves their academic situation. You know, they're the ones that are in class asking the questions a lot more. They're the ones that are sitting down with the faculty and, uh, after they've taken exams, after they've completed classes and are providing that feedback that, that the instructors really want from, from their students. Um, and they are, they are not shy to ask, you know, how does something work? Why, why you know, uh, just, you know it, it could be something as simple as, as anatomy and physiology all the way through, you know, physics. And so um, the, the veteran population is very actively engaged. They are very community service oriented. We've got a lot of veterans who are involved in, in the numerous types of community events that we do. Their, their desire to serve our country it doesn't stop when the service ends. Their desire to give back to the community uh, directly—it's—it's it's really, it's really an inspiring thing to to witness. How did you become involved with the Bob Feller Foundation? Yeah, sure. So, so um, uh, Mr. Peter Furtick, the president um, and the creator of the, of the foundation, originally reached out to me through my network that we both have uh, mutual connections at LinkedIn, and you know, I, I saw what he did, and he saw what I did, and you know, after some subsequent conversations, we felt that there was a need for um, initially as a volunteer advisor um, that with, with education knowledge and someone that can navigate how education ties into to the military and in particular the Houston market. So um, that was a, a really initial conversation how we met um, and obviously you can see ultimately how it's blossomed. The tough question we ask our guests on the American Valor podcast is what is your definition of valor, Himesh? Yeah, so th that, that is a tough question because I think valor is such a large, large word. I mean, if there's so much behind it when somebody's, uh, you know, has a title of valor. Um, but I think it truly is a definition of the quality of the character of somebody. I think it's somebody's ability to have this mental strength to face adversity head on and not, not be deterred by it or even afraid of, of understanding that adversity will happen. Um, I think it's the ability for someone to be brave and stand their ground. I think that it's standing up for themselves. And most importantly, I think it's the, it's having the ability to stand up for others, those that, that, that don't necessarily have the ability to stand up on their own. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's a, a true, true definition of, of someone's character. So going off that um, and overcoming adversity, uh, we talked about some of the things you had to overcome and what we see in, that lower socioeconomic people have to overcome. What are mm -hmm. some of the, the, the lessons you've learned over your time going through that process of becoming the first in your family to go to medical school and graduate um, and college and high school? Um, as yeah. Well as through all the work you're doing now, what are some of the lessons you've learned? Yeah, so I, I've learned a tremendous amount of lessons. I've learned lessons on, on humility. I've learned lessons on, on knowing 
when to, to, to be able to be that voice and, and, and knowing how to have the information to stand at that voice. Um, and then, you know, knowing when to, when to, to choose your losses, if you will, and not, not saying losses in a negative way, but you have to realize that you're never going to win every situation. Um, and other people have opinions that are, are right and they're valid and they're entitled to have their opinions. But I think probably for me, the most important thing that I've learned is, is being able to walk my own path. And, and I think that will ultimately lead if anybody um, wants to truly be happy and happy, not in the, in the, the, the financial or, or monetary sense, but I'm talking about a true happiness where, you know, you can go home and sleep half comfortably at night is you have to walk your own path. You know, growing up, I think all of us at some point, um, we want to look like someone else. We want to act like someone else, talk like, dress like, be like someone else. Um, but, you know, we're, we, we are consistently in our formative years comparing ourselves to other people, right? How they dress, what they drive, what they've accomplished. I think when we lose sight of all that we are and we lose sight of how valuable we are given our situations and what we're, what we're in, I think it really helps you understand. But so you essentially have to stop. You got to stop worrying about what everyone thinks about you and allow you to truly focus on yourself because when you make yourself stronger, you realize the value that you have. You're able to help people um, either directly or indirectly. And it also ultimately will help you achieve your hopes, your dreams, and your aspirations. Those were some really good points you just made. Um, something that I think a lot of people could find a lot of value in um, in their own lives. Is, is there a specific piece of advice in your life that you've ever received or just something that you would like to, to tell our listeners as we conclude? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think the most important thing for me, because um, we get so busy. I mean, this 2019, I don't even know where it went. It's hard to believe that we're approaching the end of the year. Um, but I think the most important thing for everybody to, to really listen to is to make time for family. Um, no matter how much work there is, and the work is always going to be there. Uh, the time that you're going to have with your loved ones is always limited. I mean, you know, we are human beings, and unfortunately, um, there are going to be moments where where things are 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 going to change, and and you know, we we age, we get older, and we go through different situations. But really, if I could give one piece of advice to anybody, and it was the advice that I learned from somebody. Um, is to really make time for your family and enjoy the time you have with them. Dr. Himesh Liklani, thank you so much for joining the American Valor podcast today to share your thoughts on life and service to others through healthcare and education. We hope that our listeners have found value in your story to inspire them in their lives. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm so glad to be a part of the foundation and the work that we do, and uh, I'm excited to see what, what 2020 will bring us. Thanks again for coming on. It was awesome. Thank you, guys. You have a wonderful day. Thank you, too. Thanks so much, Mesh. You got it. Bye-bye. We hope you'll join us next time when we are joined by American sports columnist, Mr. Buster Olney, who will share his memories of Mr. Jerry Coleman. In 2016, the Bob Feller Active Valor Award Foundation established the Jerry Coleman Award, intended to recognize a Marine staff non-commissioned officer who possesses outstanding leadership and unyielding support for the United States Marine Corps and the United States of America. Jerry Coleman postponed his baseball career to serve his nation when at the age of 18, he joined the Marine Corps as a Naval Aviation Cadet. In World War II, Coleman flew 57 combat missions, and in the Korean War, he flew 63 close air support and interdiction strike missions, making him the only Major League Baseball player to see combat in two wars. Coleman, despite all the success he had in his life, 
was most proud of being a Marine. Thank you again for listening to the American Valor Podcast. We will talk to you next time.